Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Outer Limits of the Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, Ryan. Can you imagine if I started the show out like this? You guys would be faster asleep than my wife would be as soon as they, she asked me how my day is. And I go, it's, and she's, forget about it. No. we got a pretty interesting show tonight. Our featured guest has several different areas of skill and evolution, development, mainly focuses on the inner journey. I'm not going to talk too much. Let us begin tonight's show. Joining us now is Miss Shauna Allard. She is a spiritual counselor and a psychic, and she's also author of a great book. It's called Knowing the Answers Are Within. You can learn more about Satellite by going to her website at divineknowing.com. Ms. Allard, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Hi, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you. So I've already given Miss Allard some post-traumatic stress disorder because before the show, I told her that, uh, you know, there's a meteor apparently going to hit the Earth and to pray that it would hit the Earth. So that's how we start things off. That's why we are getting a limited number of guests coming on this show recently. <laughs> but hopefully we can turn it around and bring it to the positive. Miss Allard, can you please tell us a little bit about your background and uh, when you knew you were psychic and how that it kind of completely changed your life? All right. That's a that's a whole big long question. Um, um I I always thought I was normal and and I think that that intuition is normal. And growing up with intuition to me was um isn't everybody else doing this, you know? So it wasn't until I was about 9 years old and I overheard some of my family members talking about Curlian photography and and how some people could see the aura and how that was uh, colors of lights around people's heads and so forth. And that's when it struck me that they were talking about something I took as an everyday normal, to see the colors around someone's head was just the same as seeing their eye color or their hair. And all of a sudden uh, dawned on me that I must be what they were calling some people. And uh, that was the beginning of it. I had some other experiences. Um, I, th- I thought that the train was going to jump the tracks when I was a Girl Scout and we were going up to Santa Barbara. Um, everyone assured me that that doesn't happen. But ironically or, or intuitively, perhaps, the train did jump the tracks, not on the train I was on on my way to Santa Barbara, but right before it got to the station to pick us up to go home in Santa Barbara. So um, intuition like that started happening, and it became evident that I was kind of picking up things that other people weren't. Wow. So did you ever utilize that to, let's say, gain a competitive advantage in school 
Like, how does that <laughs> thing if you're taking a test? You're like, you know, is it A, B, or C? And you're like, you know, I'm just going to use my intuition and just, you know, let all the answers kind of be highlighted on there. I'm just curious because that's the first thing yeah, I would do. Yeah, well, yeah, if I had thought about it, where were you back then? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, think I was getting people idea. in trouble. I probably did use intuition without really realizing that's what I was doing. Because when you don't know the answer for sure, you make an educated guess or an intuitive guess. So I'm sure I did use it. I just wasn't aware. Got it. And so you realize that according to what you're learning is that you have this special gift. Now, when you realize that you have this special gift, what is your first feeling to do with it? Do you want to help people? Do you want to understand it more? Were you afraid about it? How did it really start to shape your perception about uh, the nature of your perspective, where you were in this reality? Okay. Well, originally, it didn't make any difference to me at all. It was just part of life. And I didn't think about using it or not using it. Um, I asked my mother at one point, am I weird? Is this different? And she said, no, it's just like a muscle in your leg. If it's strong, you can do more. If it's weak, you can't. Use it and it'll get stronger. And she made it very simple. So that's my um, opinion of intuition. And then in my early 30s, through um, through a, a really rough time and a lot of prayer, I had an awakening that made everything quite different. I went from just being intuitive to being actually a channel uh, for the divine message and was able to hear and see and, and just know things at such a much deeper level. So and what was this experience? What happened? Well, I was a couple months pregnant and found out my husband didn't want to be a father. Yeah, and he didn't want to be around. He just wanted to be an only child of mine, sort of. And so... Uh, not really knowing where to turn or what to do, my source was to pray and ask for guidance. And, of course, I grew up in the Methodist church believing that if you ask, you shall receive, right? Well, I asked for guidance and I asked for help, but I didn't expect a booming voice inside my head and full-blown visions. So I got more than I anticipated in terms of answers. And the answers weren't always what I thought would have been the the answer that would have come to me from spirit. But I began. What were some to... of these answers? What were the, some of the toughest answers that you? And also, uh -huh. when you were asking these things, were you fully prepared to be as open as you could to embrace everything? So, did you already have it in your mindset that no matter what the answers were ahead of time, that you were going to embrace them? Yes, okay. I did. Yes, I can. I can say that I did. I I was simply uh, looking for divine guidance, and I was really open to whatever, because it seemed like a no-win situation, an absolute impossibility in my world at the time that there was no good answer. So I was wide open, and I didn't expect the answer to be get divorced. He's abusive. And I, you know, when you're living in something, you don't, I think this is something that many women and probably men as well can relate to. If you're being abused, you probably have a good chance of not really realizing it at first. 
because you marry into that and it's very subtle. And if you understood in the very first place, you wouldn't be marrying into abuse. So it took a while for that to settle in. When you're when you were having this communication, mm-hmm. can you please describe the communication? What I want everyone who's listening out there is to under, um, kind of visualize this for a second. So when you're giving your answer, I'd like to have our listeners visualize it because I want to see if it'll resonate with them about how okay. they are receiving communication. Because I think sometimes people when they meditate or when they ask for guidance, it kind of comes in all different forms. So what? How did the how did the, the communication come to you? Okay. It absolutely does come in all different forms, depending on the individual. And I've been gifted in a few different ways, but this particular transmission at this time came through very auditory. And it came through so loud that I opened my eyes suddenly. I felt like the whole world must have heard it because it was so loud, just booming loud. But it was inside my head. And uh, it wasn't the same as an intuitive knowing. It was verbiage that I literally heard spoken. Uh, it was a male voice, uh, which was probably just my interpretation, I would guess. I don't think that our creator is either male or female, but a combination. In, in any case, the. Oh, the so you're in contact with the creator. You know what? One thing I, I was reading there in your list, I have to say, it's pretty cool. If you go to divineknowing.com, you look at other services, and you've got all these different things. And so it's like you're just, you're just not going to communicate uh, messages between people who died. You do past life readings, tarot readings, you're a clinical hypnotherapist, spiritual counseling, Reiki masters. I mean, this is fantastic. It's like it's, <laughs> you're like an all in one metaphysical like you know store. This is great. I mean, it's, well, then, once, once you're this tuned <laughs> into spirit for 30 years, um, intuition coming through to guide people through their healing path or counseling or a reading is really all the same source channeling through me. Got it. And when you're talking about channeling, you talk mm-hmm. about, uh, you know, your channel for our source. All that it is, there's one mind, there's one source called God, which you know, what you were describing is something that it resonates deeply with our, one of our most beloved guest that we've had on our show, Ms. Nancy Dennison, who had, I wouldn't call it a near-death experience, but an actual death experience where she died, merged in with Source, and she said that all, all we are are different perspectives of Source. Now, I am mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to break out of Source, to become a Source unto myself, to break away, because I'm not a fan of Source. I want to break out and basically become my own Source, you know, and create okay. a creator out without this. Is there any possibility that we can do that? Is there a way out? And uh, the reason why I bring it to your attention is this, is that if we look at the thoughts that are in our own mind and uh-huh. we understand that these thoughts, they originate from us and we are conscious. So these thoughts, I believe, are conscious. And if these thoughts no longer wish to be bound by the energy that we give to them, I'd be more than happy to set them free and let them have their own existence. So do we have the option? Is there a capability of us breaking away from the source, becoming our own existence without having to worry about quote-unquote, being bound by sources, uh, divine will or divine order? Because I have to tell you, I'm not a fan of that whatsoever. All right. Well, all you have to do is be aware that you are, in fact, source. Okay. You are, in fact, source. We are each and every one source. But we're also of source and sources of us. So it would be very much like saying, how do I separate myself from the air? You are the air. It's inside of you. It's 
in between all the uh, hard particles of you is space and energy. And so that is who you are. It's the consciousness of being aware that that's who you are that separates the gurus and the enlightened ones, the ones who who have become self-realized, are the ones that understand that they are, in fact, God. Okay. They are individualized. But if they are part of it, then, I, you know, I look at it this way. If, if I look at myself from a human perspective and I look at my mind and I have a series of thoughts, there are some thoughts that I enjoy, there are some thoughts that I don't particularly want to give any much attention to, yet they are a part of me. So I would like to discard them. So what I'm saying is that if we believe that we are, quote-unquote, all part of source, how do we, from an individual perspective, discard the stuff that we're not particularly a fan of? Can we just flush it out in some way? Because I feel like we are on a reality from one perspective, the human perspective. We have other human perspectives that are probably not in alignment to our perspective. So how do we have a... How do we change and get rid of the perspectives we don't agree with and have our own perspective without those other human-like perspectives infringing upon us? Is there a possibility? That's why I want to break out. That's why I want to become a, maybe a friend of source, but not exactly uh, become one of source. I like how you put that, a friend of source. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll bodies, a, but not living yeah. next door, you know, having them live across town. <laughs> well, you're wanting your own free will, if I understand it. Oh, not only free will, but the um, – I want to become like a uh, the source where I have my own universe. I don't want to be worshipped, but I'm not going to – like I'm going to have a universe where there's going to be peace. There's not going to be any killing. No more people can evolve in which way they come than please, but there's not going to be any of this you know, cruelty to people, cruelty to animals. That's going to be my thing, and I think that I could we could have that. I think all of us that want it can have it. I think we all have the – I wish we, we could figure out a way that we could all become sources onto our own. Because okay. if there's one divine existence, then isn't this existence lonely? It should have other people, uh, other sources, and also sources that it can compete with to become a better source. Because I don't think there. I think the reason why things are bad is because it's got no competition. That's why I feel the mediocrities in this world. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I I really believe that people can determine their own universe and have a universe of their own, and it comes from. In my perspective, let me say, is through meditation. In when I'm meditating, I am the creator of my world, and I am the experiencer of just the divine, and that's it. And when I med, because I meditate several times a day, and my husband meditates with me, we've created an energy vortex, I would say, in our home, and in our friends' relationships. Yes, in the world around us, there is chaos, and there's some things that I would love to change. But they first change by our personal perspective, our personal universe, our vibration, our connectedness. So I believe you can do that. If everyone wanted what you and I wanted in that sense, we would have that peaceful world. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have it. I, I was hear these things that, okay, apparently we're, in the, we're incarnating into Earth in order to learn certain lessons and all this. And I don't know. I just don't believe it. I, I, don't, I just refuse to accept the fact that, that pain is necessary, that we can have pleasure all the time, and that we're in human bodies, that there's so many more options that we can have in these bodies that have pleasurable experiences, and that pain is absolutely unnecessary. Or at least I, I don't want it at all. And, I'm, and if it happens to me, I'm not going to look at it and say, well, you know, this is part of my divine play. I'm like, no, this is, this is ridiculous. And I, I'm trying to do whatever I can. I'm telling you, you know, I really want to 
try to find the answers and try to empower people so we could take this power back. I feel like maybe some along the lines we, we, we lost that or we believe that for some reason our life has to be dictated by a being that we don't see or a being that we don't know. So from your perspective. I don't believe that. I really believe that we can control our lives, but it starts with controlling our thinking and our mind. The words in our heads are the power to create everything. And we tend to, all of us, have negative thoughts. And to guard against that or to rise above that is to control your universe to be more peaceful and positive. And it's the core to manifesting and aligning with your good and your dreams is is when you can be in harmony with only those divine, beautiful thoughts that you're talking about. So how do you do it? How do you, you see you, you meditate and I'll, I'll give you a lot of credit. I wish I had the patience to meditate. I don't have the patience to play one hole of golf without going nuts. I don't have the patience. I don't, I have to try, I try to, to meditate. It's difficult for me. So is there any other way to access that information without going to a meditative state? Well, meditation is hard for everyone, Ryan. <laughs> I think it's, it's just not easy. But with practice, um, it gets easier. And what you're really doing is putting your mind in a different – it's learning a different habit pattern for your mind. Rather than be out golfing and thinking a million thoughts, you might be sitting still in a forest and just having empty thoughts. And that's something just really hard for most humans to comprehend, that you could have no thought. Yeah, how do you sit there? I don't know. It's You know, we've had some really incredible guests on our program. One of them is Gerald Salente. And Gerald is the founder of the Trans Research. And this guy's so sharp. And I'm like, what do you do? He's like, I meditate 45 minutes a day. I'm like, how do you sit there and blank <laughs> out your mind? How, how is it possible? And as a spiritual counselor, what do you see are some of the challenges that most people are facing today that maybe they weren't facing five or ten years ago? Hmm. Well, in in my practice, I haven't experienced a huge shift in what people are experiencing today uh, differently than five, ten, or even thirty years ago when I began. Most people's core distress comes from a relationship they're having um, with themselves, with their core family, with not having the romance or the money that they want. But I would pare it down to frustration in their relationships with themselves, others, finances, or their own body health. And the, the frustration torments them when they feel that there's no good answer. A lot of people feel trapped in their circumstances, in their physical health, or trapped in their relationships. They want more, and they don't know how to get that, what decision to make or what shifts to make to make things turn around and be happier. Particularly, we all have relationships with our coworkers and our bosses and our family, friends, and when those relationships have tension, everyone suffers. Uh, you know, I know that some people will go to psychologists uh, and they'll, they'll go to spiritual healers. And I want to just let people know that are out there that I guess that sometimes you feel the pressure to saying, well, you know, it's either science or it's spiritual. I think, you know, all means that you can do to improve yourself, I would say go for it. 
From your perspective, when you are working with someone, what are some of the indications that the issues and challenges they have are based on a metaphysical problem, not so much of a compounding psychological problem? So how do you tell the difference between you know saying, look, you know, you've got some stuff going on from a past life, or you know, it seems that you have some things that are happening based on what you've done, and you know, a conscious reality based you know based on logic. How do you tell the difference between those two? All right. What I think you're asking is how can you tell if it's karma or something that developed over a past life that they brought a habitual uh, problem or a, or a way of seeing things forward from another life? Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yes. If, okay. if, it, if it is something that's rooted in something that's logical or is rooted in something that's metaphysical, because sometimes a person may be tormented and they seem to have a happy childhood, but yet for some reason something will trigger them and there's no cause for mm-hmm. it. In fact, I think most of us have that. And when we come in from a past life experience, our soul has uh, not only experienced things, but but we've made up a reality around it. We've reasoned around it or we've created a belief system around it. And we come into this life oftentimes attracting things that will actually trigger those old patterns and belief systems. And it can be super helpful to shine the light on that. It's like shining the light of awareness on a particular pattern. Gee, I invite uh, friends that really don't care about me or something like that. It's just a reality. When you can shine the light of awareness on it, you can begin to change it. So it doesn't really matter whether it comes from this life or a past life, but it can be helpful when you can identify that you do have a need. No alcoholic ever cured alcoholism unless they first said, gee, I have a need to heal it. Maybe some people don't recognize it. Maybe they don't, they're in pain. They don't recognize that, that they're in pain. That's right. You yeah. Know, I wanted to ask you this about past lives because I, again, we talked to Nancy about it, Nancy Dennison, and then I talked to uh, two great friends of our show, Jeff Casper and Yon Brindis, and discussing with Nancy, she's like, okay, well, when you die, you have this past life with you, and then you learn everything that happened or how all your actions affected other people. You experience all the pain and pleasure that you inflicted upon another person. And then she says, and then she's like, okay, well, that apparently that's case closed because you, you experience everything. You, there's, you All justice served. And then when I talk to Jeff and Yona, they're like, well, you know, you could be carrying things from other lifetimes that you have not resolved. So I'm wondering what your perspective is on it. Can Do we leave each lifetime with a sense of non-completeness, despite the fact of having a past life review. And even if you do experience all the karmic debt from what you've accrued in that particular lifetime, how is it possible for that debt to follow you to another lifetime unless you maybe flat out said, yeah, I, I want this, despite the fact that you already experienced the full ramifications of your actions in that past life review? Okay. It might be helpful to see it as uh, not certain lives, but a continuum of one's soul. And so it might be comparative to today, if you have a problem, and at the end of the day you review it and say, perhaps I could have handled it differently. Then you go into tomorrow, which could be another life if you're looking at it that way, and determined to handle it differently. 
But, you know, we are habitual beings. A lot of us will repeat patterns even when we don't mean to. And so it takes some time sometimes to learn and relearn new patterns. So yesterday you may review and decide to be different. Today you find that you're a little bit different, but maybe not so much. And past lives versus this life, it's a continuum of that one soul trying to just learn to evolve and and get to a point where everything is good, where all things are creating a karma that's good, because karma is not necessarily just a bad thing. We create karma with, with every thought and every gesture that we make. We're creating a rebounding effect. It's like physics. If you push out uh, and it bounces back. Okay. From your perspective, you're looking at what's going on in the U.S. and the world. What is going on? Is it because I, I I know the my, the audience is going to is this show tired? Like, God, stop talking about this. But I had to bring it up one more time because I'm, I'm like the cynical person. I always think the world's like barreling into the, the tyranny. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be helpful. I always like to see if someone else can shed a positive light on it. But I don't know. What are your thoughts? Where where's the world headed right now on a global comic level? From your perspective. On a global karmic level, believe it or not, we are coming out of a spiritual dark age. Really? We're coming out of it? We're not not barreling towards it right now? (laughs) Well, it certainly looks like we're barreling towards it. I think we're free-falling towards it, yeah. Yeah, it looks like like it. I feel like the glory days were the 80s when it was just enough technology. We didn't have the cell phones. We had Pac-Man. That was was perfect. Uh The cell phone technology and the spying stuff, so I'm open. Well, if you look out your window right now, the trees look dead. Because it's the middle of winter, and they look like dead sticks. But we know that there's life there, and it'll bloom again in the spring. And this is what I see with the spiritual energy. We are, in fact, in a rebirthing of a much more spiritually aware consciousness in each individual person and in the people. Well, if you look at the amount of people in service to others, Compared to many years ago, there's a lot of more intuition and caring and healing. And this is the trend of businesses. And this is because this is what people want. Yes, we see parts of the world and right in front of our noses, things falling apart. But to me, it's very much like a tree in winter. It may look dead, but there's a lot of beauty blooming on the inside. And we're in a spiritual awakening. Uh, I, I have to look on more of the beauty. It's hard to see the beauty when you look at the news, for example. Yeah. You know what? I, I grew up, I was uh, Irish-Italian, and I'm accustomed to people answering the phone, not saying hello, but what's wrong? What's going on? <laughs> Who died? What's wrong? And I, and I think that it's so embedded in myself because even when the phone rings, I just assume it's like the worst piece of news in the world. I, I think I, I do need to see a shrink eventually. But let's go on with you because you have so much more great things you offer. One of them is house clearing. I love mm-hmm. to see you talking about saying that you provide the service where you're able to, to help kind of clear out the home, bring peace. And uh, every time I go into a house or a hotel, I generally bring sage and I sage it out because I am not dealing with other visitors that are not in the physical reality. So uh, how do you clear out a house? And what are some of the indications that you may have a presence there that is, rather unwelcome 
Okay. Most people, uh, if they have a presence, they're aware of it. And I get a lot of phone calls from people that are aware of a presence. I also get phone calls from people that have just uh, gone through divorce and booted out a a bad partner or meanie, (laughs) someone in their life that's um, been vicious to them and they want to start over with peace. Also, sometimes uh, just a new home, like you have talked about with being in a hotel room. Same thing if you buy a new home. You really don't want to inherit the energy of everybody else. That's why we go in and paint and change carpet. We want it to look fresh, but we also want the energy to be fresh. So it's very important to have someone come in, uh, sage the place. Uh, There are many techniques that we can use depending on What kind of stress or trauma has taken place? Usually there's only a room or two that has a leftover, um, I would call it like debris, and we get the garbage out. Okay. Did you you say, do you use lavender? How do you you get the energy out? And what if the energy is so negative that it's not going away? Because I watch this show, What's in a Blue Moon? It's called Hauntings. And it's always about these families. They're always like, well, you know, something happened. And they wait until the shadow's pulling them out of the wall into the basement. Like, I would have left the second the book fell off the shelf, even if it wasn't anything. <laughs> I am out the door. I don't need to stay in the house that bad. But they just yeah, said I, like, I agree with you. If a house is that bad, I'm out of there. But typically it is not haunted. And if it is, it is usually not a spirit that means any ill good to the family that's there. And a lot of times we can find out who it is and how to make peace. And if it is um, an entity that's unhappy, then we want to help that entity get on its way as well. Okay. Does that answer your question? Well, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't care about the entity getting in its way. I, like, you know, if there's a spirit and it's like, yeah, I'm like, go ahead, stay there, stay, go ahead. I'm not, I'm not the person. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to become friends with the entity. I don't want to connect with the entity because I don't want to follow me. You know, I don't. I don't need friends that are like not in the physical reality. I know some people are like all cool with uh, having you know ghosts. I'm friends with the ghosts. I don't want that. I don't, I don't need that. I, well, not- I'll give you an example here of of what can be a haunting that can also be very uh, livable. I was called many years ago to John Wayne's boat, and I didn't know that that's the boat I would be visiting, but I was being called to investigate some haunting kind of energies, some strange goings-on. And when I got about halfway there on the freeway, I had a just a tremendously beautiful smell of tobacco. And I'm not a smoker, but it's that, that smell of fresh uh, tobacco, similar to opening a can of coffee. You know, it smells really good. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? I have every window in the car is up, and this is not a smell of mine. Very fascinating. Must be my first clue. When I got to the boat, to the main salon, it smelled of the same tobacco. And there were problems on the boat, but nothing serious. The boat had been purchased by a company that wanted to book it out for parties. And the boat would untie its mooring, or had untied its mooring, traveled against the current, and reparked itself in the old slip of John Wayne's old house in Newport Beach. 
and the lights would come on at random times, and they just had some some goofy things going on. Well, I don't think they minded that it was a little bit inhabited, really, because it wasn't really causing problems. Oh, what? Good but they did, people. you know. But they did want to know. In a way, it's entertaining. But if it's going on in your house, not so good. I, I don't I, I don't I don't like it anyone else in my house besides my family. I like I, I have to say it's like right now because people are listening and I know some of you have come to my house, but I like having you over, but not for very long. Like ten minutes is good. Anything yeah. beyond that, and I'm like, oh my god, get the stage. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody wants a ghost. They get the speak. stage. But as far as house clearing, what it usually is is just purifying the energy. If there's been a lot of drama, a divorce, a death, uh, or if you've moved into a new home, it's just nice to get the energy cleared away and start fresh. So it's really more about that. But there are hauntings. Oh. Most of them are friendly. I I don't want to have any hauntings. Actually, if anyone's being haunted right now... It, for, there's enough about me, but what about uh, if somebody's being haunted? What can they do to to do to stop that? Is there anything you recommend to get the ghost out? Yeah, they can call eight hundred knowing, and I can help them. Um, I do the I do the house calls, but I also do some of it over the phone, uh, or I would say energetically would make it more clear. Just the same as there's really no time and space between you and I, and we can do healing through the distance. We can also do healings and clearings on homes through the distance. And you have another thing. About feng, it's called Feng Shui. And I think this is awesome because I used to do this and I have to recheck and see if my office is set up about this. But how important is it for you to have things arranged in your house in a certain way? What does that um, mean as far as the flow of energy? And can that actually have an impact on how quickly you're able to manifest things? Well, I have a couple of answers for that. There is a bagua, which is simply a map that is used by feng shui. In one discipline for feng shui uses just the map. And the map would mean, for example, that the back right-hand corner of your home would be the relationship corner. And you would doll it up according to what you're trying to manifest in relationships. Uh, because there has been so much belief and superstition around that for, gosh, forever, depending on the culture, um, there's some energy about it. You have group consciousness behind that thinking. But what I prefer is if you choose any spot in your home to uh, be a visual for anything you want to manifest, just like a dream board, or a goals board that people would make, yes, it helps you manifest because it keeps your consciousness upon your goal. And you've chosen to make it you know, front and center in that part of your home. You've, uh, you've decided and now you're implementing it in a physical reality. So yes, it can help you manifest. I don't believe everything in feng shui is necessary. Uh, a lot of it is superstition. But when everyone believes in a superstition, or if you believe strongly in a superstition, it'll work. So basically, if um, you know you believe in a rabbit's footprint, if you give your time and energy, it'll manifest. So I guess I'm wondering, if a person 
really believes and believes wholeheartedly that they can defy gravity, is there any possibility that that can actually happen? Oh, absolutely. Okay. There's there's many meditators that um, that float above the floor. They're defying gravity, right? I I've never seen anyone float, but I I, I wanted to find I want to learn about telekinesis because you know I like to sit on the couch and I don't like to have to get up and get a beer, so I want to be able to like you know focus that and be able to pull the beers right out of the fridge. That's what mm-hmm. I would use my power for, not, not, well, not helping the world. But. That's certainly a very big dream. I <laughs> <laughs> um, have a feeling that those that are <laughs> I have goals. those that are able to levitate are probably for going alcohol. So there's just that conflict. Really? I think, you know, I've heard about this before because sometimes I say, well, you know, if you if you take drugs, you take alcohol, you're gonna lower the vibration. But it's like, well. But if you take drugs or alcohol and you're happier around people and people become more tolerable, wouldn't that raise your vibration in one way? Yes, I think in some ways it can. Especially the way you said, if you're if you're more tolerable and enjoyable, it's going to raise the people you attract a little bit. Yes. In your experience as psychic, what was the most challenging client that you had? Did you ever have somebody that was a skeptic that really kind of pushed you and you know, even it hurt you. And from that experience, what did you learn from it? And how did you take the experience knowledge you learned and apply it to the future? Um, well, I am very sensitive, and I, I want everyone that comes to see me to be just so happy, obviously. That's, that's what I want for them. But I have to give them the truth. And sometimes people just argue with me as if I can change the truth. And I predict the truth, or I can uh, help them be aware of things, but I don't make them happen for people. And so I did have a man from New York. He had moved there, and he was determined that another psychic, a different psychic, had told him he should be famous. So he called me quite frequently for a while, telling me that he should be famous. And he wanted to know what was wrong. Well, he's asking he's you, like, like, what's wrong? Why am I not famous? I'm like, are you a Kardashian? No. So, oh, you're not. That's right. Like, yeah. So my guidance came through, things that he could do. But essentially, there, the feeling with him was he was entitled to this. And he wanted me to tell him why it wasn't happening and he also wanted me to acknowledge that you're so very entitled. We've made some sort of uh, cosmic mistake. <laughs> and so that kind of arguing um, is a little bit tough to handle. Wow. I can just tell you where you're at. I can't tell you why it hasn't happened for you. So when you talk to someone, you read someone, what are some of the things you pull out about a person? Do you, you look at the person and you say, okay, well, you know, based on what I can tell about you, I see this in your field. I see you have some karmic ties. I see this is where you're going. Like, what are some of the – when you're talking to someone, what are the first couple of things that kind of pop out at you right away? Hmm. Well, first of all, the kinds of psychic readings that I do, I don't um, just list off a bunch of predictions. I really love for people to ask questions. Um, and a lot of 
questions are very different. So someone comes in and says, is my spouse cheating? And uh, then spirit will say yes or no, or if this is a pattern, if this relationship can be saved. Um, it helps the person asking to know, am I crazy? Am I feeling that there's an affair going on when there is not? Or is there an affair going on and I'm justified in in the thinking I'm having? Because often the spouse will deny it. So it it comes from what's their heart's desire. Should I change jobs? And spirit will, uh, or the reading will say, well, if you stay in this job, here's how it goes. And if you change jobs, here's what's in store for you. Here's what's available to you. And those are my favorite kind of readings to give people, help help them with choices. If I was in your position, I think one of the questions that I would really struggle with, if somebody asked me, and I said, what, am I on the right path of my evolutionary goal and progress? I mean, at that point, I mean, if a, I, I don't know, I guess it would scramble my circuits, but maybe you can answer this. If somebody asks you that question, what do you, how do you answer that? I mean, do, do you look at all their life experiences as part of the greater evolution? Uh, can a person be on a path that is not alignment at all to what they came here to learn? And if so, if they are going far off that path from what their true purpose is in this lifetime, is it necessarily a bad thing? So how would you answer that particular question if somebody asked you that? Okay. I get asked that a lot, <laughs> quite a bit. And what I have um, – and first of all, I'm not necessarily saying I'm actually channeling – uh, a connected energy through me, and quite frequently what they will say is, look at your feet. Wherever those feet are, that is your path. You're on your path. You can't be not on your path. And it's your interpretation of what's going on with you that allows you to go on to better, better, best, or really fall into despair. As far as uh, being in integrity with what we came to do in this lifetime, not everyone is there, but I believe everyone has a path to get there. For example, when I was young, I, it never occurred to me to be an intuitive helping others. I wanted to be a teacher, and I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Well, ironically, now I'm a teacher, <laughs> but just certainly not in the classroom the way I had interpreted it. So a lot of guidance comes through to help people incorporate their gifts and their passions into a reality where they are using their maximum gifts in a way that gives them joy. So I would say if you're going to work every day and you're loving what you do, it feels rewarding, it feels that others are benefited by your existence, you're on a great path. But what if, psychologically speaking, you are a sociopath? Are you able to have you ever like read someone and you ask them to go, Hey, how's work going? Well, I'm having a great time. Well, what do you do? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'd like to I shoot people or, or something's wrong with me. Do you, I, that's the thing, I guess it's the, uh, the X factor. How are you able to provide advice for a person who's incapable of seeing any, incapable of not recognizing the shortcomings within themselves? How do you provide guidance or something like that? Or how do you, are you able to provide guidance into a person? who refuses to accept new information beyond what their core belief patterns are. I talk about it a lot with the, with the cognitive dissonance, which means that they cannot embrace new information, and they, they're always going to stay within their bubble. Most 
mostly that kind of person would not call an intuitive because they don't want to know. But I do occasionally come across someone of that behavior or of that belief and mindset, and I have a catalog of wonderful psychiatrists and psychologists. Uh, actually, ironically, probably my biggest client base is from people in that field. The psychologists? They, they, the psychologists and psychiatrists probably are a greater number of my clientele than any other profession. But I find that in the reading I'll know which one to pair them up with and what their situation is. And so I don't try to treat a clinical disease like that. I transfer them to someone that I know can help them. Excellent. Well, Shauna Allard, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. And let's just remind everyone that Shauna has a phenomenal book called Knowing. And if you go on Amazon, it's got 100% five-star reviews. So it obviously resonated deeply with people. It's fantastic. You can learn more about Ms. Allard by going to her website at divineknowing.com. Again, some of the services she provides are, you know, tarot readings, past life readings, channeling spirit guides, you know, getting in touch with your spirit guides, you know, facilitating communications with people across over. And apparently she also does pizza delivery. I'm kidding. She doesn't do that. But uh, <laughs> a lot of other great services. Ms. Alarm, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our great guest, Ms. Shauna Allard, and special thanks, as always, to the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Kaza, and Ms. Constance Stellis. To learn more about the Out of Limits of the Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outoflimitsradio.com. So to this time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Take good care. Thank you so much for listening. Want to be heard or seen in front of millions of people? Want to be an expert on TV or radio? Goldman McCormick PR is a New York City-based public relations agency that specializes in traditional and social media placement for law, finance, media, and corporate-based clients. Goldman McCormick PR also are specialists in website development, radio show creation, press conferences, media training, and so much more. Check out GoldmanMcCormick.com for more information. GoldmanMcCormick.com. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.